Dane and Derek is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. You can find content warnings in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our little corner of the internet. My name is Derek, and this is our show where we talk about art, Dungeons and Dragons, life, and ma. With me, as always, is my good friend, Dane. Hello. I am still standing. I'm still high energy. Uh, I write. I do law things. I still play music. I have podcasts that are somehow still going, even though I haven't recorded or edited anything for them in over a year and a half. Uh, we made a lot of content. Um, yeah, you did. And you made like thousands of hours. It, is it thousands? It's hundreds. It's many it's hundreds. At least hundreds. At least. It's close to a thousand i bet i'll do the math at some point and i'll tell you yeah i'm think i'm think i'm gonna think somewhere in closing on 500 anyways hello everybody <laughs> hey everyone I, we're back I, I yes we are back um like i said last time i'm in a mood today we're still for you guys it's been weeks for us it's been but minutes yeah hello D is back for yet another D episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but first, let's do some quick updates. Dane, how's law and school going? Uh law and school is uh going. Um con law is the most reading intensive thing I've ever done in my life. That book is uh denser than the core of the sun. It's so, but, and it's so heavy. Oh my God. It's like, it's going to give me back pain. Anyways, I don't fucking want to talk about that. I actually have a different update about writing that I'm going to give real quick. I have a new outline for a novel and this is the first time I'm saying that out loud since I did it. And I'm really excited about it because I got into a really good habit over this past like month, month and a half where I'm basically writing creatively almost every day, basically every weekday. I'm really proud of that. That's my update. I'm going to give no more facts. I'm going to take no questions about it because it's my secret thing. Otherwise, because if I share too much about my projects before they really get off the ground, um, they tend to fall apart on me. So, yeah, no, I I think that's a very real thing. I was just watching this Dragon Ball Z fan film and in it, the the guy that basically him and like five other people hand animated this thing over the course of. Oh, is it is the fucking Dragon Ball Legend? Yeah, where it has like the yeah. fire head. Oh yeah. my fucking yeah. god, that was yeah. so cool. Son Goku, Sorry. the Sorry. savior of heaven. Savior so of good. Heaven. Oh my god, that yeah. that fucking animation is so good. It's so oh. good. It's like oh. honestly, like I I watched that film just to remind myself why I love film so much. And like he made a like an hour long behind the scenes, and in it he talks about like not talking about your projects or your dreams until they're like almost complete. Because like you don't want to disappoint anyone or yourself by it not existing, yeah. and that's yeah. like so real. Um, yeah, so, so that's why that's why yeah, it's why I'm talking about an outline and basically nothing else. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like um, I I had um, someone read uh, like just some test writings I had to just be like, is this a good vibe? But that's it. Like that's all I've done for this because I'm just like, and now that an outline exists, I'm happy to be like, I have an outline. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, that is that is a milestone on it, happy to say. But anyways, that's my update. How's filmmaking going? Filmmaking Are you making a, 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 a Dragon Ball uh, fanfic? I wish fanfic? I was making a Dragon fanfic? Ball film. 
I have an idea for how I do a Dragon Ball film. I actually just got all of my cousin's Dragon Ball Z DVDs, so nice. I need to rewatch the Frieza saga at some point. Um, yeah. but okay, question. I will say, What's the best version? What's the best version to watch um, Dragon Ball oh. Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... Because like, some people absolutely hate Kai, and other people really love Dragon Ball Z Kai, because it like cuts I, a lot of shit out, you know? that really I haven't seen Kai, so I can't speak to it, but... These are all it's like original. Yeah. yeah. So we'll I'm, see what happens. But um, in my opinion, it's Dragon Ball Z abridged. Um, <laughs> some of their some of their humor is bad. And like early on, yeah, some of it's really bad. I'm not going to lie that some of it's really immature and just not good. Didn't age super well. Um, but by the end, their writing is so good. Um, yeah. So funny. Um, and yet somehow really doesn't lose much of what the what made Dragon Ball cool. Anyways, continue. How's filming going? Year of the Monkey. Yeah, you're the monkey. So you're the monkey uh, still going, still happening. I think um, still in talks with folks. I think to pivot away from you're the monkey this week, um, there's been two unique developments. Um, one of which I can I feel comfortable kind of talking about publicly now because it's more real which is that I'm making a documentary. Um, I'm doing a documentary on an arts program that I volunteer with. Um, You know me, love a good doc. Yeah, and it's maybe the first film that isn't entirely self-funded that I'm doing, which is really cool. Um, Yeah, I I get to come up with a budget on how much I want to pay people, which is exciting. and it's going to be like a two year long process. So I'll have one project to work on for the next two years that I can guarantee I will get to do. And that's exciting because I love being in a constant state of production. Um, mm-hmm. And to support that, I actually made one of the biggest investments of my life and I bought a camera. Ooh. I bought a camera that I really love working with. Um, that uh it's by but by today's standards it would be considered an old camera but for my needs and my productions and like the things i'm filming on it's probably the perfect camera um yeah uh nice. for those at home wondering it is the canon c100 mark ii i got it from a guy in new york who was selling it for somewhere between 50 and 70 percent off of what it normally would go for and um I there are, I've been searching for a new like film camera for like the last I don't know three four years because the film camera I had in high school um, was pretty much on its last legs um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think like every other camera that I've seen or every other vert, like someone selling this particular model um, it just didn't feel right but this one it felt right the timing was right I think um, mm-hmm. because. I need to be filming a lot more frequently and I have a project that I will get a lot of use out of it on. And to go to bring it back to year of the monkey, um, I'll need to make a, probably a Kickstarter video at some point for the film. And I don't, I didn't have a camera for that. Uh, and I was huh. finding that filming on my phone, it has a variable frame rate. And so I can't sync sound. And that's been like really frustrating. Um, <laughs> minor phone thing. Uh, so yeah, now I have a I have like a cinema camera, so to speak, 
That is nice. the, that is what they call this style of camera, cinema camera style. Um, I think, yeah, it's a camera I learned in film school. It's a camera I learned when I moved out here to LA, and it's a camera that I have had the privilege of like being able to rent and like film some of my short films on, and like you know, it still holds up. It's still a great camera, like 1080p, 60 frames a second or 24 frames a second. It's I think the nicest part about it is that I enjoy working with it. It's a tool I really enjoy. And I think that is criminally underrated is when you have a tool you enjoy, like choosing to work with the tool you enjoy over the tool that is quote unquote better, I think is way more important than people. Right. Right. I, um, to, to pull a, a, a piece of advice, my, my dad gave me about bikes of all things once, because he's, it's just not super related. He's a cyclist. He, he's, um, he's pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, I brag about my dad sometimes. Um, <laughs> he, he once told me to like, never buy more bike than you can handle. And I was like, what does that mean? Cause I was 12. Um, and he explained that there are bikes that were better than him. Like you, there is a technical quality to them that you, if you are a true master, you can get a ton out of them. But if you are not, you are just wasting your time and energy, even though there might be a technically better item out there. You need the thing that you need, you know, which is true of like instruments. Like whenever someone's like, what guitar should I get? Like they say online, this is the best one. And I'm like, yeah, technically, but I'm sorry. Are you slash? No. Yeah. yeah, It's like, why don't we start you with an Epiphone and let's Mm -hmm. see if you like it. And then you can get your, you can get nicer as you get better, you know, like start with like, start with the, with something solid and good, but don't, you don't need every bell and whistle because you don't know how to use every bell and whistle, you know? Right. And like, I did that when I, when I bought instruments, I always, always do that same, same basic thing. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, and also, I, I I think people underestimate the value of workhorse tools. Yes, um, yes. Oh like, my goodness. I, like I will usually even even if I feel my skill is worth something, like I like I could do a lot with, um, with with high end things. Like I I typically will still take a workhorse over that. Um, yeah. Or, because I'd rather have something durable and has like all of the basics down to like a to a science but that's because i personally value the fundamentals over like really high-end stuff there are other people who are like all about like i would describe them as experimental like filmmakers experimental musicians and they need every bell and whistle because they're pushing boundaries you know they want to do that and i'm not that's just never been my artistic voice really is i'm always much more about like well, I'd like to just do the thing very well. Thank you. You know, like that's um, more of my, my personal interest. So I'm glad that's awesome. Yeah. Um, glad you have that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a fun tool that I'm excited to use. Cause it, it has everything that I know how to use, but it has enough features to push me. Like the biggest thing, the biggest difference is now I can film a flat profile, which means I can actually finally have more footage to work with to practice color grading, which is maybe one of the weakest parts of the process that I am that I that I have in terms of filmmaking. So excited nice. to practice that and to work on getting better at that while also 
I don't know, being excited to work with something. Um, Cause it's been it's fun to have a toy. Yeah. It's, it's fun to have a toy <laughs> and it's especially a toy that like you already know you wanted. Um, and, yes. Uh, yes. And, like, yeah. It, it, it was always like, I remember being when I was a kid, um, if I got to like the best times I ever got like uh like a game console or whatever is after like my friend already had one and I'd gone over to play it like a thousand times and I really, really fucking wanted it, you know, like, yeah, because then I knew, you know, you, you exactly. Knew. That's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, which in a way, workhorse and experimental and bells and whistles, all those things kind of tie into our topic for today which is how to build the perfect D&D character. Yeah, I suppose that there are some, you could build a character with a ton of bells and whistles. Um, and there are some characters you can build that have like really good fundamentals, mechanically yes. speaking, at least. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. So let me, I want to do some, I want to do some groundwork here. Um, when Go. we say the perfect D&D character, um, what do you mean? Because there are people who uh, categorically think that there is a right answer to that, who are like, statistically, this is the best fighter. And yeah. fighters can deal the most damage, therefore, perfect. Um, so, like tools and fundamentals and things that ground us in the things we enjoy, I think the perfect D&D character is a character that doesn't frustrate you. A character that when you show up to the table, you have a blast playing, regardless of if they fail or, or succeed. Um, mm -hmm. That okay. is my baseline. And then I think after that, I think like it becomes like, what is what kind of play does it achieve? Right. Does the character achieve like like right. I've played anywhere from like like here's the thing. Most of the time when I'm playing D&D, I want the power fantasy of being a, a fighter who can kick down doors and like and like you know slay dragons super fast and awesomely that is what i want every time i play DD. and so that is literally what i roll up every time i play DD. yep the handful of times i haven't need... yeah. yeah what was oh, that keep going. oh the handful of times i haven't have been because i've really wanted to make a meme or a joke or experiment with like a lot of little things like playing a wizard but i don't pick any of the combat spells right like mm -hmm. i have like a intention in mind to like stretch the game but for the most part i just want to kick down doors and kick ass yeah yeah so yeah i'll 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 kind of add to that which is um typically i think the the actual answer to what is the perfect DD &D character is the character that is fun for you to play that is fun for your gm and your fellow players to play with Oh, that that's that's also a good thing to put in there. Just whatever, whatever. If it fulfills all of that, that is the perfect D and D character. End of story. We could stop the episode now, um, right. because that's all you need, right? As long as you are enjoying it and you are not, and and it and other people are enjoying it with you. And all I mean by enjoying is like, I think it's better if like people are excited to play with your character. Um, it is, in my opinion, good enough to not be a detriment at the table, though. Um, I have played with people who. Um, for various reasons, uh, game-breaking reasons, uh, really shitty role-play reasons, or any number of things, when they show up at the table, I have a worse time yeah. playing. Um, and that is that is the only time I'm like, I think you have a bad D&D character, is if you are making other people's time at the table worse, or you are not even enjoying your time, your own time at the table. 
Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not super optimized. It doesn't matter if you are super optimized. I will say this. Um, check your vibe at the table. If you are um, if you are the only one who seems to be dealing 20 to 30 damage per round at level 3 and everybody else is sitting in the 10 or less range, you may need to, t- to dial some things back. You'll actually probably have a much better time. Um, and if you are still an optimizer... Um, One great piece of advice I've been given recently is um, the worst thing you can optimize unless everybody is doing it is damage. Um, And my, and the reason behind that is uh, that will take away from other people's fun way more than you being like, I want to be able to heal everybody or I want to be unkillable. Like those things are way different Um, because uh, that's that doesn't like take away from other people's awesome moment like if you run in and you're like dead 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 and then like nobody else gets to have fun at the combat encounter you know um so i'll say that that that's like my objective answer i think for the purposes of the episode i think what i'm going to talk about is more like how do i make the perfect D character for me um because that's all i feel really qualified to answer yeah no yeah yeah yeah. Um, go for it yeah, but I want to I want to go back to you and your fighters for a minute. So you uh-huh. start with the power fantasy. You either start with a power fantasy or a um or a very specific idea in mind. Yes. Uh, in terms of like, is that and is that like what you want to do at the table in terms of like mechanics, or is that like, yeah? What, how do you go about that? Basically, yeah. It's 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 always what do I want to do at the table first mm-hmm. and foremost because like. I'm sure you feel this, but as a person that is basically a forever game master, you don't get very off. There's very few chances to play. And so when you do get to play, like you want to maximize the experience for yourself. Absolutely. Um, and for me, that's kicking ass. Um, mm-hmm. I feel yep. like, you know, having grown up on like, you know, everything from like, you know, like Conan the Barbarian to Lord of the Rings, like there's nothing more exciting to me than when like, you know, like, freaking like aragorn like jumps off the wall at helm's deep while with the ladder into the horde of urukai right like that stuff gets me going and that's what i want to be able to do in game um yep. and so like i i of course i i do do what you do and i gauge what's at the table and most oh, of the yeah. time no one wants to play a fighter um because the fighter (laughs) is arguably the most boring class um and out of all the classes depending on what level the fighter peaks the earliest and so if you're doing a higher level game the fighter is the weakest um or it can be the weakest high level it's very weird because like on the one hand fighters probably can still deal dish out like the most damage but that's very weird when you it's like hard to compare that against like a wish spell like it's like yeah yeah as a fighter i can deal 150 damage easy in a turn but the wizard can just say i would like to be a gold dragon now thank you and then they are you know like (laughs) it's It's, very strange it's it's apples and oranges it's very hard to compare exactly Um, but i I will say for the most of the games that i'm in which very rarely these days have they peaked level 10 like the fighter is still like the one class no one wants to play and it's always the class that, for me at least, I have the most... That's like where the fighter really shines, is levels 1 through 10. And so that's where I have the most fun. Like, um, I played in a campaign where I played a fighter, and I was like, he's like 8 feet tall, he's 14 years old, he really likes chocolate, he's a dragonborn, so he's really intimidating, but he's 
He hasn't hit puberty yet. And he wields a big sword. And that's what I titled it on my roll 20. The weapon was not great sword. It was big sword. And whenever big sword came out, it was always a big deal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then like, it was a lot of fun because like, yeah, I could kick ass. And because I was such a big character and I was really strong, eventually I was dual wielding two big swords and it was awesome and it was stupid. And I was having a great time. And like, you know, it's just like, for me, it's like this, it's like this desire to like, like real, like let the like four year old who thought he was going to be eight feet tall in a dragon with a big sword, (laughs) like, out like i'm basically i'd basically just play like every meathead i play every himbo meathead and i love it i love it to death um super fair and then like the few times i've switched it up it's yeah because there's something mechanically that's interesting like like how can i use every fire spell except for fireball how can i use arcane lock and knock and illusions to like build a character how can i you know, um, be a druid who's primarily in wild shape form and has to roll wild shape to become human again. Like, how, mm-hmm. how do I do something interesting there versus how do I kick ass? And I think, like, ironically, a lot of my favorite characters have not been fighters um, <laughs> because they've been so radically different. Um, but I think, like, overall, it comes from, like, what is the experience I'm hoping to get at the table? And nine times out of 10, I just want to kick ass. Um, and so that means like building a character around something cool, in my opinion, um, whether that's being a bear majority of the session or wielding a big sword or wielding some kind of like a silly weapon. Like I really want to make a character that's really good at a fishnet, like a fighter that is really good with a fishnet. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. that's like his whole thing, like use the net and like harpoon. And that's like it. <laughs> um, like it's just a real interesting kind of concept there, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but then again, like it's also cause like, there's less rules for a fighter. There's not, there's a lot less to memorize. I don't want to think as much at the table. Maybe that's the other thing too, but yeah. Did that answer the question? Totally. I find that fighters and rogues in particular, because they are a little shorter on mechanics often, um, they will, they will be in a position to just like barbarians too. Um, Although barbarians because of their rage often get like stuck in like just pure combat. Um, there's a in the in your limitations there is increased creativity in problem solving Mm -hmm. um i i I find that for sure um so no that totally answers my question um because i i find myself doing something similar um but a little a little different uh lately i find i i sort of start my character creation by um going through the internet and finding cool fantasy character art um for like certain inspiration because Mm -hmm. the thing i don't have a particular class that i just like constantly fall back to um i tend to favor offensive magic users above all else a very or like a offensive sort of gish style um those are my those will those will be what i will fall back on for sure um and like push comes to shove warlock but like um you know, like I don't, I don't have a particular one. 
Um, what I like is having like a, a very cool like character aesthetic um, that will get me to leave my own like personality a little bit more. Um, so I usually mm. try and find like really evocative art that is not like like the last thing I want to play is like a white dude human or elf dude with brown hair like that like i do not want to play that guy because i will just play myself um and i don't gotcha. and like usually like a very self-righteous version of myself and so i'm just like nah um so like i i will i will go looking for art um and then i'll kind of match the class to the art a little bit and I, i'm all i tend to be a little bit of a I don't have a big problem being the person who fills in a gap for the party. Um, like I'm happy to play mm. a cleric. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, because what I end up liking doing is I like being extremely competent. Like I love being really, really competent um, on, on in, in, in the game. I, and that's why I often will fall back on charisma based characters um, because charisma is a utility stat as well as if you can make it your offensive stat too. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's just like, I like narrowing down on to be like, okay, I just need charisma and constitution done. Um, you know, um, and so like, I will have, that's why warlock usually works really well for me. Um, I don't usually like playing utility. That's the one thing I usually don't like playing. So things like bard usually don't really do much for me i mm -hmm. i will like playing a healer um but usually i'll be like well yeah if i'm gonna be the healer i'm it's gonna be like my secondary thing i'm deaf like it's like yeah i'm a tempest cleric first and a healer second you know um it, so there's stuff like that but um the real thing i like doing is coming up with a combo basically mm -hmm. um like a really effective combo on the battlefield um and so like for example with um with a warlock i played recently i had a fly speed and so and so i took the the invocation that made the range of um eldritch blast like a thousand fucking yards or whatever um and so i would just go from like a thousand feet up and snipe you know and i would just hex the crap out of things and, and do stuff like that and i would just like i like racking up combinations of various kinds um, currently, um, I might end up playing in a game with a friend who's just recently moved back to the front range. Um, and I, I'm currently putting together a divination wizard, um, with the idea of being like, I'm going to force failed saves onto enemies, um, in order to get like some of those really good effect spells, you know, your hold persons or whatnot, uh, or banishment or whatever that are really good. But if the spell save goes off, like, well, shit, you just wasted a fourth level spell slot or whatever. Mm. But the divination wizard lets you replace enemy rolls with a role that you already know. And so like, I'm hoping to roll like twos and ones and just like hang on to it and just be like, no, they rolled a two. Um, so they're now banished, right? Like forcing that and then like doing that with like different combos of like, uh, one I've found is um, Hex, Hold Person and Scorching Ray. Mm -hmm. um, so Scorching Ray lets you make multiple attacks. Hex does extra damage based on attacks. Um, and then if you are within five feet of your enemy while they are paralyzed, you get crits. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so that would be because each one is also an individual attack. It would then get doubled. So um, basic, basically, um, if I could do like hold person and guarantee it, then I could come up on the next turn and do this scorching ray on an already hexed enemy. Um, and I think that would be 18 D six. If I don't upcast, that would just be flat. <laughs> um, Oh man. Yeah. If I upcast, then it would be 24 or whatever. And this is why I play fighters because <laughs> right, right. I, I, and this is why spellcasters are fun. It for me is that yeah. they, let, they, they, they comp do weird combos better, mm -hmm. but that's the idea. Like for me, that's, what's really fun because I like pairing that. Um, with then RP like role playing stuff of like, yeah, this is like a very capable person and very powerful. And what's that like? Like, what's it like yeah. to be that person? And how can you make that positive or whatnot? Like one of my m most favorite characters I've played recently. Um, she didn't do a ton of offensive damage. Um, it was in dungeon world and I was playing a homebrew class that was kind of very witchery. Um, but what I basically ran up is like, I almost could, I basically could never miss is like, I could rack up so many bonuses that I could just more or less guarantee hits. And the other thing I could do was counter, um, attacks and things. So I was like basically playing a blue black deck as like a uh -huh. D and D character. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and it I was mean, like all, it was all murders and counter spells. Um, and so <laughs> that's, that's like the thing that ends up happening for me is, I basically do in like whatever the mechanics I'm working with is I build like more or less like a magic deck in terms of like combos and weird little effects that can build off of each other. And then I'm like, okay, I have also, I also have this cool art. Now where's the character in it? Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I build like the character I'm going to get the most out of. Um, mm. And typically I try to be somebody who can be awesome at the table for people. Um, which is why I loved that last that last character I mentioned who could do all these counters is because I wasn't dealing that much damage. But what I could do is if something really bad was about to happen to one of my friends, I would spend one of my counters on that and I would just stop it dead in its tracks. Like I would do that mm. and then I'd like up my bonuses so I couldn't fuck up my roll to protect them. So I was this like weird protector tank without high armor or high hit points either. Mm -hmm. um, but I went the whole game and never took damage. Um <laughs> yeah see that's i've never had a character that well built i but i will say like the, what you were talking about how like having a character good at the table and having a character that can protect people at the table i wonder if this is maybe something that is just a just like a thing that comes when when you're a forever game master and you've been playing for a while like nine times out of ten i'm the most experienced quote unquote most experienced player at the table right mm -hmm. i've been yeah. playing the longest i've gm'd the most games i know all the rules Yep. And so I always try to make sure that the character I'm playing is not going to be either A, the center of attention, B, metagaming all the time, C, doing everything for everyone else. And so I always try to come up with characters that are A, like fill a gap, which in my case, thank goodness, has been fighters. Because <laughs> um, everyone, like everyone that I know loves playing casters. And so I always end up getting to play a fighter, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, needing a character that can kind of 
when the party is overthinking, I can kick down a door and kind of like jumpstart things or like see yeah. like when people are casting, I can be the meat shield in, in between them and the enemy. And so like, yeah. I think like maybe that's just a symptom of like, because you know the game and you know the dynamics of the table, we're able to create a character that fills those dynamics in a way that like in previous games that we've played in, we didn't get a chance to do or that didn't happen. And that's why they were shitty games or shitty yeah. groups. Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. Which, yeah. Like I, I was talking about that wizard with that wild combo um, and all that, uh-huh. but um, I want to pull that combo off because that sounds fun as hell. The real thing I think I'm going to end up doing is paralyzing enemies. So our other players can go up and get a bunch of crits. Like, yeah, that's exactly. What, that's what I really think I'm going to end up doing, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I think about that. And one thing I've learned in, you were talking about, like, I can't play this like person who does everything for you. The one thing I'm learning more and more, and this kind of cuts against my whole, like, I really like charisma based characters. It's kind of a shame for me in this way. Um, I don't, I, if I play a face, like if I play a high charisma character, because I have so much knowledge about the game, I will often start dominating the table, yeah. which I don't like doing because then yeah. I'm really good in combat and I'm really good at, um, in talking to people and getting my way. And, um, you know, and so like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a great move for me. Um, but what I have realized is I also don't like not playing. A, I, I like playing characters with enough knowledge about things to be a resource for other players um so usually i I, i'm finding myself more and more playing high intelligence and high wisdom classes um such that i can be support and provide like advice in like conversations where i can be like yo do not do that that is a bad idea but Mm -hmm. i have a charisma of minus two so you're gonna have to talk about it but here's the here's what here's the information you need. You go say it in a pretty way now. Would you mind? <laughs> you know, um, like things yeah. like that um, or providing tools um, for other players. And then like I like being like uh, a tank in combat such that like I can keep my friends safe. It's fun for me. Yeah. If I had to build a magic deck, my my characters are all mono red. <laughs> which is exactly well, how i play magic <laughs> well you sound it sounds like your characters would be red white to me or red green maybe yeah yeah kind of tanky little stompy maybe yeah um, big things big blades like red white I, often I, is very has like a lot of like people with swords too yeah I think I'm one step away from playing barbarian and I think the only reason why I don't is because I still don't understand rage rules and so I always play fun fact I always play fighter and I always play champion I never deviate which is like (laughs) I feel like that's like pretty bonkers to say because you know mechanically speaking battle master is the better of the of the of what's in the player's guide like arguably battle master is just the best class yeah it From is. a pure mechanic standpoint, like maybe, yeah. maybe a wizard or bard might have the spell casting, and maybe a paladin or a hexblade might be able to nova a bit better. But but yeah, I but, always play champion. Um, <laughs> it's straightforward. With, it's fun. Yeah, it's and, so, and 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 honestly, it's like for the most part, most of the games I'm in, like. 
not that sometimes they don't last a long time or they're just one shots. And so like, I, I'm only going to get like five hours to kick ass before I have right. to go and yeah. then run a game. <laughs> that will, <laughs> yeah, like, that will, that changes what I'll play for sure. For yeah. sure. For sure. Like if um, I have some faith that this is going to be some growth over time, I'm much more likely to play something like a wizard um, or a cleric. Mm. Um, on the other hand, if it's just like a one shot, that's when you're going to find me just like picking up a warlock or picking up a fighter, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe like a totem of the bear barbarian, something mm. that is going to get like, cause like in a one shot, you're probably going to get to either, you're either going to start at level somewhere between level one and level five. And so like, if that's my pre- pre- parameters and I'm like, we're not going any further than this. Those are the classes where I'm like, this comes online right away. I get all sorts of fun stuff right at the beginning and I can have all my fun. I can play combos. Those are classes where the combos come early, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I've only played in one long game as a player in recent years. And in like the last maybe five years, I've maybe only played in like one long game and I didn't know if it was going to last a long time, but I also didn't want to metagame or like it was with a group of people I was new to. And so I I rolled up a fighter and I had like a very simple storyline and it got resolved like 10 sessions in and we kept playing. We played like for like 30 more sessions. Um, And I like realized like, oh no, I have like no more character growth. Like, like I, I keep doing the same things. Like there's nothing... I was running out of things to do in game. And so I had to come up with more things. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. like, I probably could have allowed myself a little more space to have a character that grows. Um, which like, I wonder like how many, I know that you're, I know that right now you're playing more tabletop games than I am. Um, and I'm wondering yeah. how many of those are games you're playing in and how many of those games are you game mastering? Um, currently I am only running one campaign. It's just broken up amongst a couple of groups and they kind of swip swip swap in. Um, so I'm playing a lot, but, uh, it's all the same thing and I'm game mastering a campaign. I was also game mastering just more or less ended. We're going to do an epilogue where they get to run through tomb of horrors because that's fun. Um, and they got to a high enough level that it will be fine. Um, and that I was running through the pandemic. I got to play in two long-term games that each lasted about a year. Um, mm. And one, I played a very Herculean style character. Um, she was basically just a big old fighter barbarian kind of. Oh lady. yeah. You were telling me about her. Yeah. Who was trying to become a God. A and God, that was very yeah. fun. Um, that one, uh, because my plot line had like very clear acts, um, the campaign ended up following my character's arc. Like when my arc ended, the game was over. Um, and I didn't love that, going to be honest, like that dynamic mm-hmm. by the end. I was very tired, which is why I then built up that like counter counter character for the next game um, with mm-hmm. the idea that I would take a bigger back seat that did not work out quite so well either because the table dynamics got kind of weird. And so there was a need for like somebody to play leader and make everybody play nice. 
um, mm. with each other. And so I ended up doing a lot of that. It was not very like that character's like plot got resolved pretty early, but the character growth was resolving around like becoming much more motherly as a character and much mm-hmm. more like caring about others and like taking people under their wing. And so everybody else's business kind of became my business in the sense of like, I'm here to support you and help you get your thing. And so mm-hmm. I never had that problem, even though my stuff was done. I was like, yeah, that doesn't matter. She's here for her, for these people who are all sort of, she was an elf who was like centuries older than like the next oldest person. So she's like, mm. these are all children and they're all my children now, I guess. Fuck. Um, and so like, I'm going to help them do all of their things and make sure that they get what they need. And so there was a constant reason to keep adventuring and keep caring and be invested, which really helped. Um, but yeah, there were some unfortunate table dynamics at that game by the end. Um, and so I ended up taking a much more like front, like it wasn't a main character space, but it was definitely like a, a front of front of stage role in a sense than I expected for sure. Mm. Um, like I, I guess, I, I guess I was expecting to play like a Legolas or Gimli and instead I was playing Gandalf. Um, if that makes sense, yeah, like very much at the front, not the main character, distinctly not one of the protagonists in the state in that proper way, but like I am really in everybody's business. Um, right, I'm not just there to, yeah, I'm not just there to like shoot arrows or something and be like a cheerleader, I'm like orchestrating things. So it was a very, it was a very interesting, interesting game. Um, really loved that character. Wish the table had been a bit better, but what are you gonna do? Yeah hmm yeah man maybe this is a discussion for another episode but there are two big things i've discovered about myself in terms of mm-hmm. playing tabletop games yeah one is that i think i'm actually a better player than i am a game master which hmm. is something that i haven't that i did not believe for a long time but then i was looking at all the games i've run and I realized, like, like the best games are the ones where I play really specific characters. And I realized, like, oh, these are all characters that I would have wanted to play in a game. And so that's mm-hmm. something that I kind of, like, realized. The next game I run, I should make sure to make sure the cast of characters is much smaller. Um, because I'll do a better job running that. Yeah, But then, too... I realized that the the biggest maybe problem or hiccup I've run into as a game master is that I've forgotten that the game master is also a player. Yeah, I was honestly just about to say something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like I realized I've created so many campaign settings over the years that that are specifically tailored party to party that I've that I've gotten to a point where like I don't necessarily enjoy any of the campaign settings I've created in a while because they've all become about the same and so that's something I've in this sort of like in between period where I'm not GMing any games I've been working on a campaign setting um and that's been like in terms of like because I realized like if if every time I show up to the table and I play a fighter as a player, and that's a way to honor myself as a player. How do how the heck do you honor yourself as a GM? Which is maybe a whole nother episode topic, but 
I I want to I want to delve into that, but to just respond, yeah, I totally get yeah. you. Like mm-hmm. with the campaign I'm running right now, I'm way happier and feel like a much better GM than I have felt in a long time. And part of that has been remembering that, like, oh, I I can do stuff. Like it was basically breaking away from the critical role. Yeah. Um, like I, I I don't mean to be critical of critical role fuck um whatever um no yeah i get you i, I don't mean like, like but the, the the way of doing a, a a live play show is it needs to be super character focused character backstories have got to fucking matter all of this has to tie together like blah 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 um however that is not always the most that can be really exhausting for a, a game master mm-hmm. um and i've realized that like in thinking about it, some of my personal best, personally, some of the best games I've ever run have been the open world style games where I have set things up for people. They can explore it. They will like, there are just things in the world. And, um, and so going back to that, I feel like a much better game master because I'm caring less about people's like strict backstories and more and more encouraging people to be like, listen, have a backstory. I'm super there for that. Like I'm not even going to ignore it by any stretch of the imagination. That's just not what this game is about. We are telling like the adventure is here at the table right now between all of us. So don't play a character that is more interested in stuff that's already, you've already written down than is interested in what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I've been much more excited about it and dynamic and also been more willing to just, do stuff because i'm not worried i'm like oh i gotta get around to blah blah blah's backstory uh villain um okay i guess we're gonna go check out that person um fine like i wanted to do this thing but i guess we're not doing it because um i don't have time we don't get to do this fun weird dungeon i thought up because we gotta deal with people's backstories and since i'm not doing that i'm much more um excited like yesterday i ran a a game where the dungeon was super small but they could like switch to different colored worlds and then like all of the rooms would have different stuff going on in them um and so they would like swap around and try and find different like uh colors to get to more rooms so that they're like oh let's find yellow because we already have blue so maybe we can go to a green world and they could and all of that was really fun um, and that's not really available if you're going, if you're like, nope, we have to make sure to hit their plot beat. Cause I also, I also find that when that happens, um, it makes one character dominate for some amount of time. Um, yeah. And it's supposed to be a group game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like yeah. I'm, fi- I'm finding, I'm finding my footing again with it. Um, but I am remembering I do very much I very much like to play. I I just find that I rarely get the chance. Um Yeah. Because the yeah. the few people who I've gotten to do that with are they're not that confident in their GMing skill. Um mm-hmm. and so and then party dynamics or not party the table dynamics were just kind of unfortunate. Um yeah that that's definitely the hardest part i feel is when you're the game master and you're watching someone else try to wrangle a table and it's like not working that's always like really hard to watch like a friend go through that 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, we should probably do an episode on like table dynamics in general. Because we should, because we have a lot of thoughts. We do, we do. I have many, many thoughts. Um, but probably time to wrap this episode, I'm afraid. Yeah. 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 I'm going to write down table dynamics real quick. So I can <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, well, thanks everyone for sticking with us through another long episode. Um, really appreciate you all coming back every two weeks to listen to us on a Wednesday. Hell yeah. But you can find the show everywhere at Dane and Derek, and you can see what I'm doing on my Vimeo account, vimeo.com slash Films. Yeah. Why Benig? You, Dane? What, what, why, why Benig? Oh, so Benig is my mother's maiden name. Oh, cool. And I'm cool. starting to use it as a stage name. Um, it was a name my grandfather made up during World War II to hide his family in the mountains. Wow. Um, because they were a mixed Filipino-Japanese family, and he didn't want... Wow. He didn't want any kind of soldier. didn't matter who. Americans, Filipinos, Japanese soldiers. He didn't want anyone finding his family. And so he made up that name and cut ties with them after the war to protect them and hide them. And it's a completely made up name. It, there's no meaning. There's no like translation for it other than he did it out of like love and protection. Um, Wild. Yeah. Wow. So, I, I, fuck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I only learned this like recently. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I only um, learned this like recently. This is like a family story. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I did not mean to, um, no, you're good. I, I feel like, I feel like I, I don't like, I need to like close out the episode, but I'm just, I, I don't know how to end it. I guess I fucking, you can go to danewrites.com. There's <laughs> things there. Um, uh. <laughs> fuck we, this happened at the last 30. Fuck it. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye everybody. Yeah, bye, we everyone. just have to end it. Goodbye. Oh my God. <laughs> What a story, Derek. <laughs> Out here on the sand Not far from land Sure, I'm warm But I wish I was cold with you Out here on the sand Sure, I'm warm, but I wish I was cold.